It's great to be back. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I've, um, I've missed you. I have, especially you. <laughs> um, it's lovely, honestly. It's one of those um, things. I only, we were only away for one Sunday, um, and it feels for ages. So it's nice to, nice to see you all. You're looking great. Um, and uh, and it's, it's nice to be with you. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack into the preach because uh, um, you're all waiting for your barbecue, I know. <laughs> it's just a wasting bit, isn't it, really? Uh, so we'll go, we're going to go into uh, what we're looking at today. Um, I'm going to start straight into the word um, and a familiar story to some of you, but not to all of you, uh, which is about Gideon. And it's found in Judges chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. Now, the backdrop of this is that there's a very unfortunate situation in Israel where they've been completely invaded and they're having a bad time of it, to say the least. Um, and um, everything's not going according to plan. Uh, they're not living very free lives at all. Um, and then Gideon, who's um, hanging out, threshing wheat in the, a very small place in the wine press, um, has an appearance from God. So it reads the following. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. So we enter this story where Gideon's having a bad life. It's, it's not looking good. He's been living a horrible existence for, well, for some time now um, in a land that's in complete and utter chaos. And he's stressed, I would imagine, speculation, but I think that would be fair. And I would imagine also he's feeling quite overwhelmed with what's going on. And he feels abandoned. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, where's God? Where is God in all of this? Where is God? Because God, if God was here, then my life would look a lot better right now. And that's pretty much his reaction when he has this encounter. He feels abandoned by God at this moment. And he's literally just trying to make it through each day. He's living in survival mode. So do you, ever, do you ever feel at times that you're living in survival mode? Yeah? There are the times where you're just trying to make it through day by day, but never, Helen. That's wonderful. I like that kind of honesty. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You live day by day, moment by moment, and because life can be very, very overwhelming at times. Um, and so it's, it's certainly how Gideon was feeling in this particular bit. A tad stressed. Definitely needing help and definitely needing some power. So today, what we're going to look at is walking in God's power. So that's the title, if you like titles. And we're going to use the story of Gideon, Gideon to unlock some keys, to, to see what it is that it really is about. Now, there's a lot of keys to walking in God's power. I'm going to major on just a couple of them. But, um, but we will use Gideon's story to, to see what's happening there. So Gideon's just going through day after day after day. Um, so another day comes, and then this bold statement comes out from God. 
The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's his statement. That's God's statement. Gideon was already filled with huge power. That was his reality. That wasn't Gideon's reality, but that was reality. Does that make sense? So God's saying, this is who you are. You are already filled with huge power. You are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty man of valor. Whatever you're going to read it as, he told him to go in the strength that he already had. Not, I'm going to do it all for you, and you will be filled in the, in the future. You already are filled right now. You already have everything that you need. He's already got everything. But Gideon isn't living like that. He's not living as though he's got that power. He's living in fear, first of all. He's living an inferior life. Would you agree? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he sees himself as the lowest of the low. So if you read just that little bit of text there, he's not just, he's the lowest in his family, first of all. I don't know if we've got anyone here that feels like they're the worst in the family or looked down upon by everybody else. Matthew Thomas, you seem to be laughing a lot there. <laughs> but if you, look, if you feel like that you are the worst in the family, then that's not a great place. But then the family is looked down on as the, by the whole clan as the worst family in the clan. And the clans were, every, every single section of society is looking down at this particular um, person. So this if you like, this particular person thinks they are at the bottom of the, of the heap. You can't get any lower than Gideon right now. That's how he sees himself. And God shows up. God shows up and says, you are a mighty man. You're going to go out and you're going to save Israel. I mean, that's, gonna, that's a little bit of a mind meld straight away for most people. But that's how he is. He doesn't see himself as he really is. He doesn't see himself as what's living inside of him. And he doesn't see what he's capable of truly. That Gideon has the power to restore Israel. That Gideon has the power to bring the entire nation back to God and into a place of peace. That was the reality. That wasn't what Gideon saw, but that was reality. And instead, Gideon's hiding. Instead, Gideon is just hiding away and going by day by day and not really doing much with what he's been given. So God gets on to convincing Gideon of who he really is. He gets on to it, and he takes a while. He has to fleece him a few times, Gideon. If you read the story, that's, that's later. I'm not going to tell you how that works out. But he sees again and again, he has to convince him that he's a mighty man, brave and courageous, someone who has the power of God living inside of himself. Again and again and again, God is talking to him about this. How quickly do we think that we lose that revelation if God has to keep on telling him? But that's what happens. But slowly, Gideon gets it. Slowly, he believes it. And it changes his entire outlook. And it changes the people around him and also, in the end, the entire nation. So let's bring it all the way back to us. How much of God's power lives inside of you right now? As inside of a believer, how much of God's power lives inside of you? Ooh. Feels like school all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah, well, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. I don't want to say it, just in case he tells me off. No one's going to be put in detention if you get it wrong. It's all right. How much of God's power lives in you? Go on. All of it. All of it. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Should we go to the Bible to find out? She's a good spot. But yes, all of it. All of God's power is it's quite a good, you know, it's a lot anyway. It is a lot of power. 
Ephesians 1 verse 19 and 20 says the following. This is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's praying for them. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That's all right, isn't it? Resurrection power lives inside of you. I'm finished, that's the end of the preach. <laughs> Resurrection power lives in, you might not feel it every single minute of the day. You might not go around going, hey, I'm feeling but it's, it's there. Resurrect right now. Right now, where you sit, thinking, I wish I was in a barbecue, right now, resurrection power lives inside of you. Life-changing power lives inside of you right now. And whether you feel all excited about that or not, that is the truth. So if we're already filled with God's power, then it raises a question. For what purpose? Why do we have it? Because it's very easy then to skew off into all sorts of different thoughts on this. But there are, I'm just going to mention three of them. There's three different things that God raises in the Bible about why we need his power. So why do we need it? Because can't you just get on with it without fine? Do you know what I mean, it would be all right. We just get up, go to work, come back. That's all right, done the day. How much do you need his power? How much do we actually use it? And what, what purpose? So let's have a look. The first one is to live a godly life. If you've ever read Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you'll know quite quickly that that is impossible without God's power. Absolutely impossible. It is very easy to go around doing a whole load of stuff. We did the Ten Commandments just this last... It was great, wasn't it, actually? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, we had some good, great preachers in this church. Um, I really enjoyed it. But there's some, some, some stuff there that was mentioned, um, and they went a lot deeper, which was great. Because if you just read the Ten Commandments, it, it can look like, well, that's dead easy. I can make sure that God's not one in my life. Or I can make sure that I don't have any idols. I just won't, uh, I just won't go down the idol shop and buy one or something. Do you know what I mean? It's quite straightforward, isn't it? You know? I just want, it's quite easy not to murder somebody, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I haven't got many knives in me to draw. It's quite straightforward to, to do that. But when, when Jesus laid it all the way down to, ah, but you, you know, hating someone's the same, then all of a sudden it gets a lot harder. So, and then he raised the bar and said, you've got to love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Well, that's difficult as well. There's a lot of stuff that you cannot do. And it's actually impossible to live a godly life without his power, without God's power and without trusting in his power that we, that we have flooding through us. Um, it's it's, it's the, acts, the acts of obedience. Otherwise, it becomes dry. And I, I have to come back to this. Christianity will become dry and boring, and you will not enjoy it in the slightest if you're trying to do it on your own power. It is really, really hard for a start. And uh, it will give up really quickly. Or plateau. That'd be the other thing, where you just go, well, I'm all right. I'm not that bad. I'll just watch some, some programs where people, like EastEnders, where everyone's much worse than me. So that's okay. I'll live at that level, and I'll be all right. I'm not having to go at EastEnders, but generally speaking, that's why they put them on the telly. They're all worse than you. <laughs> um, 
Well, that's why, that's, you know, people like that stuff. Anyway, a few weeks ago, I felt God was challenging me to, to love people more. You know, that's what happens. Sanctification, God speaks to you and he says, you know, this is the next step in your walk with me. This is your next, next part of your walk with me. And I, I felt challenged in this way. But I knew, as I heard those words, that I just could not do that by myself. Because I'm quite selfish, I think. If, I, if, I, if I'm a, he's terrible, I'm the pastor of the church. I, I, I think I can be selfish. I'll change the language. All right. But I can. I can. All right. So, some of you are looking really bad at me now. I'm just going to not look at faces. The pastor of the church can be selfish. Yes, I can be selfish sometimes. So, I, so I felt challenged. That I, you know, the next step was to love people more. But I, I was like, God, I can't do this without your help. That was my prayer. I cannot do this job without your help. I cannot take this next step in Jesus without your help. So I just prayed for Jesus to love through me. I prayed that. And I noticed over the next few weeks just small changes. Not massive. Not like that amazing testimony where all of a sudden my face was different. But I noticed that I was making little different choices, shall we say. And it took me a while to notice it, but that's how God moves us on. Bit by bit by bit, little decisions, little choices, little things change. And we're not even aware of it, but we prayed at some point, God, would you do this through me? Would you do this in me? Would you change inside of me? And you find that what happens is the Spirit of God inside of us creates in us more of Christ so that Christ is formed more and more and more and more, which is the path that we're all on. Okay, point two is to live above our circumstances. The power of God to live above our circumstances. It sounds a bit like this. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Sorry, there's a song coming in. <laughs> and then I get up again. We are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. There's an amazing truth in all of that, that we can have joy in our sufferings. You're listening to Paul testify there about his amazing experience on mission and how hard it was. But in all of it, in all of the negative circumstances that were surrounding him, he was sustained in that. That wasn't a case where he was, he was quitting. It wasn't a case where he was going, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going home right now. Put me on the next flight home. There's a, there's a power of God that sustains us to do the things that we are called to do. There's a power of God that's inside every single one of us that when circumstances go wrong, and they will, that's not an if, it's how they will go wrong at times, that there is an inner strength that comes from Jesus himself, a power that rises up and says, yes, they, you can handle it. You can do everything because of Christ who lives in you. And it's going back to that power again and again and again, the power of God himself that takes us through every challenge, every difficulty, every circumstance. And some of them, are, some of them go on for a long, long time. Some of them are just short, but it 
doesn't matter on one level. Pastorally, it does. It breaks my heart. But on another level, it makes me <laughs> be so thankful that there's a God that never quits on us. There's a God that keeps on fighting for us. There's a God that keeps on working within us and keeping us strong on the inside. Um, the third one is to actually, for your own lives, to make an eternal impact. So as we've just read, it's when we go through life's troubles that the life and glory of God is most revealed in us. Um, but this can happen in all sorts all sorts of ways where you, you, know, you feel called to change your communities. It's where you're called to change different things. You will need the power of God to go out and, and intentionally build community. You can't do that on your own strength. You'll need the power of God to go out and to change people's lives. You'll need the power of God in you to communicate the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel. You'll need the power of God in you to deal with the different things that you have to deal with. When I worked in insurance, the first job I had in insurance, oh, good grief. They just employed anyone. So that's why I got the job, probably. And um, I, so I, I was literally, uh, people would ring up and just start shouting at the minute you answered. For, you know, it's, it was a great job. Um, because something wasn't done right. So these were the, was, anyway. Um, so I always remember someone had had their insurance cancelled on them and was driving around. We, we didn't tell them. This was the level of company we were. We didn't tell. We cancelled their insurance and didn't tell them. Um, so like a week or two later, he finds out that his, his insurance has been cancelled. Uh, thankfully, they've gone bust now. You'd be grateful. Some of you are looking really like, tell me which one it is. Yeah. But um, that's how we kept insurance prices low. Yeah. Um, just because we didn't cover you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll just smooth over that. No names will be named, so I'll, for litigation purposes. But it's, uh, it was an interesting place. But it was like really, really horrible. People just like come into the on the street and just start shouting at me, or they'll be ringing up and just start shouting at me. So the the worst scenarios were when they go, you know, can I take your policy number? You, they give you your policy number, and you just say policy cancelled on the top. They didn't know. Never clue. So I said, well, sorry to tell you, but your policy's been cancelled. And then it would just go ballistic. It's just from, from nothing, from zero to 90 in like a second. Like they'd be shouting down the phone. And this happened a lot. And one guy, the one manager that I had um, there noticed that I managed to stay patient. I managed to stay, keep my, when everyone else was like losing it. Um, and I say everyone, I mean like even the the, the, the people that work for, for the company would be losing it. So the customer would be shouting, and, and the people that would be working for the company, they'd be shouting back. It went very much like that, very quickly. Do you know what I mean? It was one of those things. Um, I, I just um, I, I remember distinctly, again and again and again, um, just, call, just, just drawing on the power of God in those times for my, for my power, for my patience, for my coolness, if you like. And, he, 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 and then he said, what is it about you? What's different about you than everybody else that's there? And it's that very thing, that, that what drives you on the inside is not your own strength. Yeah? This wasn't me being amazing. This wasn't me being super holy. This is the power of God that's available to every single Christian. You with me? Yeah? 
This is every single person. God's not going, well, you're better than that person. He's going, every single person, I want you to be able to walk in this power. I want you to be able to walk in a power that's going to change people's lives, that people are going to notice that you yourself can stay sane in at times. Um, and that's really, really important. So those are three reasons. There's two main keys that I'm going to pull out um, to walking in the power of God. And um, I've kind of hinted on it a bit and a bit every now and again, but we'll go on from this. The first one is to recognize your need for God. Now, from my experience, men seem to struggle with this more than women. I'm not being sexist there. This seems to be just what I've experienced. Um, but it is one of those things that we can very easily get into a place where... Uh, it's why men don't ask for directions, I think. a lot. <laughs> um, we can handle it ourselves, woman. We can do this. Um, I know the way. But, um, but yeah, you, you recognize your need for God. It's important to recognize our need for Jesus. It's important that we need to, to, um, to come to him and say, look, without you, I can't live with the power of God in me. I can't live in that way. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 puts it like this. And this is where Paul's dealing with a thorn in his flesh. He doesn't say what it is, um, but um, he says the following. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And I'm going to stop just there. My power works best in weakness. This is a topsy-turvy gospel, isn't it, sometimes? My power works best in weakness. Sometimes society itself makes us think that we have to be strong all the time. We have to just get on and just move on. My power works best in weakness. God's saying, just accept your need for me. The start of the Sermon on the Mount is blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they need God. It says several times, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Accept our need for God. It's how we got saved. We got saved by accepting our need for Jesus. We accepted that we couldn't earn his forgiveness. We couldn't earn a right relationship with him. So we came, we came to him. We come to him and we say, we thank you for the free offer of grace and forgiveness that you give to us on the cross. Accept that. But it's how we move on in him again and again and again. It's how we grow strong in him. It's how power flows through us. We can't have power flowing through us if we're trying to do it all ourselves all the time. And that's an, that's an essential key which I need to bring out, that we need God. And I, I will start that very, very regularly in my prayer times just to bring my heart into the right place. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, this is Jesus talking, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's not saying you can't have your Weetabix in the morning, obviously, but he is saying you can't have anything of eternal impact. You can't actually live the life you've been called to live without me. So I will do what is necessary. I will pray and I will ask God to humble my heart. I will ask him to, to I'll just quote those scriptures, apart from you, God, I can do nothing. Help me today to live in that place where I need you because that's where more than ever I have the power of God flowing through you. Um, the second one comes back to Gideon. We're almost going full circle with this, actually. The second one is uh, trust that God is with you. So if you remember the story of Gideon, he said, um, he told Gideon to go because I am with you. That was the phrase he kept using. 
And in the text, Gideon didn't dare move until he trusted that God was with him, that God was working alongside him, that God was for him. And God did spend a long time, as we said already, convincing him. But why? Why did he do that? What was going on with all of that? Because it's so easy for our hearts to forget. Isn't it? Because you don't feel God all the time. You don't go around going, well, I'm feeling God's presence all the time. It's very easy to forget. And it's very easy for lies, in fact, to get in as well. It's so easy after a while to think he doesn't care. Now, I don't mean in your heads. Because everybody knows God loves you. And everyone knows God cares in their heads. But your heart gets easily deceived. Very easily deceived. And lies can come up and creep in, and when they do, we lose our confidence. And that's really important that we identify when these things have happened. We can be beaten down a lot more by circumstances when we forget that truth. The, the truth that God is with you is one of the most important truths. Absolutely huge. I had um, a time... Um, I was struggling to pray a few, I don't know when this was. It was just a few weeks ago, I think. I was struggling to pray. I was like, what's going on with this? I couldn't, you know, everyone struggles to pray at times. Not really any, I was really kind of like struggling. I was struggling to access God's presence. I was struggling to, I was just really getting nowhere with it. And I, and I remember just asking God, what's, it, what's wrong? What's actually wrong with it at the moment? And I felt him say back to me, you think I'm disappointed with you? There's a lot of lies that get in the way. You think I'm disappointed with you. And so, therefore, if you think I'm disappointed with you, then you're not going to come to me as easily. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I didn't think it up here. Get me right on this one. I wasn't up here going, oh, God, is all disappointed with me. But something had crept in somewhere. I'd had a, a situation that had arisen with somebody. Or something had taken place, and all of a sudden, something had niggled in. And God's disappointed with me now, was going in, in somewhere. And I felt like God say, I'm not disappointed, I'm proud of you, I'm delighted with you. And he's delighted with each one of you, by the way. Every single one of you, he smiles at. That's good, isn't it? You can be happy about that. Yes. But this is really important. Because as the minute I started to experience those words, the minute I started to hear those words, that like God's delighted with me, the minute the fire to pray really started engaging again. And I really wanted to pray. I wanted to worship. I wanted to engage with God again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you, you, that, that's a massive truth. Is God with you? Is he for you? Or is he not that bothered? And I think that's almost the thing. Most people are like, well, I'm, I'm sure he's all right with me. But there's a difference between God being all right with me and God being for me. God being with me, God being delighted with me, God being passionate about me. There's a big difference because the more I see God for who he truly is, the more I'll want to pray, the more I'll want to spend time with him, the more I'll want to be with him. He enjoys your company. That's your God. He enjoys you. That's weird, isn't it? The creator of everything enjoys you, but he does. He enjoys your company. 
He enjoys all of our company, and he wants to spend time with us, but not in a legalistic way, in a way that brings enjoyment and refreshment and delight. we're delighted to do so, because it brings him great joy. As a father, when your children want to spend time with you, it's amazing, isn't it? Or parents, or whatever. If you have friends that want to spend time with you, it's great, isn't it? Yes, yes. If you have friends that... Don't seem that bothered. How does it go? Do you want to keep on pursuing that relationship? I've texted them a hundred times and they never replied once yet. How many times? It doesn't take much. So remember that he is bothered. Remember that he cares. Remember that he's passionate. Remember that he's not indifferent. Because we can go in that direction after a while. He spoke to me um, after that. Um, these words, whatever you have to face, we face together. Whatever you have to face, we face together. And you could switch that word, whatever you have to face, with whatever you're going through, whatever you're plowing through right now, we go through together. Whatever your challenge is right now, we're going through that challenge together. Amen? Whatever you're going through right now, whatever your anxiety, whatever your circumstance, whatever that thing is that's right in front of you right now that you're thinking, oh my word, I really wish that wasn't in my life right now. And it's still there no matter how much I pray. God is going through it with you together. Amen? He's taking us through it step by step by step. Bit by bit by bit, as hard as he can be at times, he walks with us together in those moments when we need him the most. You're sensing the most. Um, Ephesians 3.18, we'll finish here really, says the following. May you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Yes, he did pray that. The experience of God's love is directly linked to living in his, in his power. The more you know you're loved, the more you experience his love, the more you will be able to walk in his power. There is a huge, 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 huge truth in that. God's love for us is our rock. It's our satisfaction. It's our joy. It's our delight. It's our foundation. There is so much that we will get. The more certain we are of it, the more we can walk in his power. And because, because the Spirit of God lives in us, because he's with us, we're full of God's strength. We're, we're mighty warriors. We are the light of the world. We are a bringer of hope. We're a bringer of joy. We're a bringer of good news to the people around us. We're a changer of atmospheres. We are more than a conqueror. We have an undefeatable spirit inside of us. We have the spirit of life and resurrection inside of us. And that 
means that no one, absolutely no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No weapon formed against you will ever prosper. You have a spirit of love, a spirit of power, a spirit of self-discipline. Everywhere you go, we bring life. Everywhere you walk, you bring life. You resurrect people's hopes and dreams. You carry a spirit inside of you that transforms people for the better. Inside of each of us, we have the power to declare the love of Jesus and to share Jesus. That is who we are. Amen? So the application for all of this, if you've fallen asleep and have completely missed it until I've been on the stage, is this. For us to experience, to pray, to experience the love of God every day. Because it will change your life. The more you experience that love, then please, please, please do. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll finish off with this prayer in a minute now. So if I can have the band back up, that would be great. Jesus died for our sins. He died that we could be forgiven and that we can enjoy an eternal relationship with him. It's a relationship that lasts with God forever, and it's one that brings peace. It's one that brings a new hope. It's one that brings a new joy into our lives. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and you may find yourself in one of the following three categories. So at this moment, please grab every head bowed. So the first category is as follows, that you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. That you've never been a Christian, but you would like to make this day the day you begin your relationship with him. The second category is that you used to walk with Jesus, and today you would like to reconnect with him today. You'd like to give him back your life today, to make him Lord afresh. And the third category is that you're not sure of your salvation. That you're not sure that at the end of your life you will be going to heaven. That you're not sure of that, but you desire the certainty that Jesus offers. Now, if you relate to any of those three, please pray along with me now and repeat these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. And receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen. With every head still bowed, could I ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer just then? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else?
Wonderful. Thank you very much. Lord God, I just pray for every person to receive God's peace and presence right now. Thank you for the incredible love that you've shown us. We pray you pour out your presence and that for everyone today who raised their hands, we thank you that they have entered or re-entered into a most wonderful relationship with you. We can be assured of their salvation. Amen. Okay, we're going to have one final song in a moment. Um, there will be ministry available at the end. Um, there are certain words of knowledge you get for those that don't know me. Uh, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Christian. For those that don't know me, um, there, um, I often get words of knowledge for different situations, different injuries or different things, issues that people are going through. Um, and here are some of them that I felt God revealed to me over the last few days. There's someone here today with um, damage to their left leg. And God is here today, or he's saying today that he wants to make a, a bring healing to that and restoration. Uh, someone here is struggling with a really hard decision and confused by what they've got to do. He wants you to know that he is not a God of confusion. Instead, he's a God that brings clarity and light. Now, if that's you, please come to the front for prayer. And um, we'll do that in the final worship song. Um, there's also people here who have in their heart a desire to step out in faith and do something for God. Start something, get behind something that will advance God's kingdom. And they've been holding that for a while, a dream, a hope for a while, a vision. And God is now saying to you, it's the time. Now is the time. And you may have to seek him on strategies. You may have to speak to others. You may have to speak to him on um, all sorts of things. You may need to get wisdom from people. But now is the time. And God will honor your steps of faith. Um, and um, finally, um, there are people here. And now it's not people. There are two people, sorry, here uh, struggling with... Um, Going on the wrong sites, going on the wrong internet sites, we'll put it tactfully. Um, but uh, God desires to bring you freedom today. And I'm not going to say much more than that, but um, I think one person's already aware that they're doing wrong with that. One person isn't, and you need to be aware that um, pornography can be very harmful. And so please, uh, if that's you, God will be touching your heart right now. And he's not here to shame you. He's here to bring freedom. He's here to bring release. He's here to bring grace into your life and into something far more satisfying, far, far more, more, more worthy. And as we've already started, it's God's desire to pour out his power into all people today. So as we sing this final song, wherever you need God to bring power, to bring breakthrough, you can receive it here on your seats, standing up singing, come to the front for prayer. Whatever the situation, whether it's living godly lives, whether it's circumstances that you want to see changed and living over, whether it's changing your communities, whatever the situation, come to Jesus. And from your heart, tell him you need him. Thank him that he's with you. Thank him that he's standing alongside you. Thank him that he's for you in every single situation because he is and he's with you and he wants to help you be released from the things that you are struggling with right now. Amen?
So let's stand. This is a wonderful God, a God who loves us with a passion we'll never, ever, ever understand, but a God that is worthy of absolutely all of our praise.